All right. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin, uh, we're only going to be in verse 11 as we look at the fourth petition from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and if, just as a reminder, the fourth petition is, give us this day our daily bread. And uh, that's a, that's a, it's yet another petition that is pregnant with all kinds of meaning and application for us, the local church, and things for us to understand. Um, and so it's really, really important that we keep it in context. Remember how Jesus has set up this prayer thus far. Remember what he has said that is most important in the invocation. And then as he's given the first three petitions, all of them are related to the Lord our God. All of them are related to the glory of the Lord our God, being that that is the thing that is most important to us. We cannot, remember, we cannot forget that first question was, what is the chief end of man? to glorify the Lord our God, and to enjoy him forever. That is so critical for us to keep before us because there's thousands, literally thousands of things that are trying to get our attention and drag us away from being able to enjoy the glory of the Lord. There may be even some of you in here this morning that you will struggle to worship this morning because you're, you're too busy critiquing things. You're, you're too busy thinking about things that, that are probably unimportant. We all, um, we all struggle in this way, right? You're, maybe you're too busy thinking about something that happened last night. Maybe you're too busy thinking about something that will happen tomorrow or in the coming weeks. My prayer for you is that you would be free from all that. Is that you would be able to worship in spirit and truth because God is God. Not because of the failings of man. Because, I'm here to tell you, I will we will, this service will fail you. And if that is going to keep you from worshiping, then you need to go find a perfect church. And so, good luck with that, by the way. And if you find it, hey, call me. I want to join that place too. Um, and so, uh, what we want to do is make sure that we're keeping everything in perspective, that what is of grandest importance is the glory of the Lord. In these next three or if you're a four-petition person on the back end, these next set of petitions are going to sound like they're about us, but they're not. They're actually still about God. They're still about God's glory, and we have to keep that in perspective. Otherwise, we will miss what Jesus is actually saying to us. And consider this. Remember what he said in, in verse 8. He said, the Lord already knows what you need before you ask for it. Your father already knows, is already moving to meet your needs. So why would we pray, give us this day our daily bread, if it's truly only about the material? It can't be. Therefore, we have to dig a little bit deeper. We have to ask some questions of the text. So the question that I would open with this morning is, and I think it's an important one, even after having said all that, is does God actually care about our day-to-day -day lives and our associated needs? Does he? He does, doesn't he? Like we read in Psalm 37, the righteous do not go begging bread. We, we, we genuinely have what we need. If you read on in the Sermon on the Mount, remember, if the lilies of the field are arrayed in the way that they are and the birds of the heavens are fed in the way that they are, how much more, God's people, will they receive exactly what they need? So that, and remember why, so that we can seek what first? Gold? Silver? Fame? Fortune? No. So that we could seek first the kingdom of God. So that we could seek first, essentially, what is God's glory and the redemption of his people. Amen? 
That's a good thing that we are set free to do those things. So we have to keep that in view as we look at this. And so God does care about our day-to-day needs, but he cares about them in the context that they actually allow for us to be obedient to him. That it allows us to be the ambassadors of reconciliation for which his will has called us. Remember, his will is redemptive. Not critical, not destructive. It is truly redemptive to build up, to to actually glorify himself. And so he gives us these things because he wants for us to be free in Christ, to do what it is that we were created to do in the first place. Amen? And so if we miss that, we can turn this or we can miss exactly what it is that Jesus is saying when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Listen at what J.I. Packer says in his book, Praying the Lord's Prayer. He says, petitions looking to God as the sole and omnicompetent source of supply of all human needs down to the most mundane are expressing truth. And as the denying of our own self-sufficiency humbles us, so the acknowledging of our dependence honors God. Now, what he just said there is that when we ask the Lord for even the most mundane of daily needs, we are confessing that we cannot provide for ourselves in the same way that our gracious creator, heavenly father can provide. We are confessing that we need him and are dependent upon him to receive exactly what it is we need because, as C.S. Lewis would say, Our desires would lead us to eat mud pies while there's an entire banquet table behind us, right? We've done it again and again and again. We've pursued things that actually are destructive to us. And yet, um, the Lord has said, I will give you everything that you need because I have promised to sustain you, my children. And so, this is the heart by which we can pray these things. So, the main thing that I want you to get from today's sermon is that God's provision of our daily needs evidences his care for our lives and allows us to serve as ambassadors of his glory. That is such a critical thing for us to understand in our context where we are assailed by materialism, we are assailed by the need to be better than others. We are assailed by the want to amass more than what anybody else could have. We are assailed by selfishness, self-righteousness. All of those things assail us. So it's absolutely critical that we recognize that everything that we are given, every blessing, every promise is to set us free to actually be who God created us to be in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit. If we don't understand that, we can only be led astray. And so as we turn to the text, uh, give us this day our daily bread, I want to pause for just a second on just that one phrase, the give us. Again, you've heard me talk about our Father, and so this, again, just helps us to understand that we are not asking for something in singularity. This isn't just about me. Straight away, when we pray these things, we recognize that we're part of a larger family. We recognize that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. This isn't just about us and our local kin and our our, uh, shutting ourselves off from the world. When we pray this prayer, we are connecting to a broader swath of brothers and sisters all over the world. That's the beautiful thing about seeing what Kristen and the others were able to go and witness to and see uh, in Zimbabwe. Now, just them going for three weeks, is that going to change everything? 
Now, the beautiful thing is she, this is now the second time she's gone. She's building relationships with the local missionaries who are there year after year, day after day. And so we have the opportunity to be praying for them. Does that, that matter? Doesn't the prayer of God's saints matter? So we have this wonderful opportunity through Kristen's involvement to be able to be praying for this lady as she serves every single day. And my hope is that we could send an even bigger team next time. Um, that we would look to get involved in these things, that we would care about these things on a regular basis, that we would be able to see the world as bigger than just us locally, just us, our families. And so when we pray, give us this daily bread, we are, we are ultimately confessing, number one, that it's a gift. That everything that we receive from the Lord is a gift. That, and so what does that do for us as petulant children who think we deserve everything? My wife right now is reading a book called Generation Me. And it's about our kids. It's about how we have become entitled. It's not just our kids, by the way. We're entitled too, aren't we? We think we're entitled to share our opinions. We think we're entitled to um, do all kinds of things. We think we're entitled to certain rights and responsibilities and abilities that just we're not entitled to. We were never promised these things. They happen to be gifts from the Lord our God, freedoms that we take for granted. And so when we say give, what we're saying is, Lord, you are the gift giver. You are the Father who gives good gifts. And these things we do not deserve yet we receive as gift from your hand. And only you can provide what it is that we actually need. So that word give has a lot of meaning to it, doesn't it? And then we say give us, we're saying that it's now a collective, that we are great, have greater concerns than just ourselves. So when we, we pray these things, we are recognizing that when others have lack, when there are brothers and sisters in this world who are in need, we should do what we can so that they can be restored to be able to glorify the Lord our God. One of the things that we emphasize in our mercy ministry that we do here at Christ Community Church, and we read this in When Helping Hurts, the greatest thing that we can do for anyone who is in need is help them reach the point where they can glorify the Lord their God in spirit and truth through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's not just about giving a handout. It's about helping someone be able to thrive and flourish as the one created in the image. That's messy, isn't it? be a whole lot easier just to pay someone's light bill and move on with our lives. be a whole lot easier just to hand them rent money and wish them well. I think we are violating 1 John 3 when we do things of that nature. I think that we, if we actually love someone, we should long for them to be able to be in our midst. And we were talking about this just last night with, with, with someone that how hard it would be for some of those people to sit in our midst because they look so different than us. Would that we would be a church that the differences that come in are, are eradicated in the person and work of Christ as we are all covered in his righteousness and that we would not be divided just by appearances alone, God forbid. And so when we pray, give us, we are saying that we long to be part of the solution by which God will provide for others who have need. See, you may say, well, wait a minute now. We just read in Psalm 37 that the righteous don't go begging bread. So what is my responsibility in that? Well, as it turns out, you're a vessel for the glory of the Lord our God. You sometimes are the secondary cause or the means by which the Lord will provide for the others who are righteous. Would that we would desire to participate in those kinds of things and that we would draw great joy in seeing 
others provided for so that they could flourish. Now, when I use that term flourish, let me be very clear what I'm saying. The highest flourishing is for people to be able to glorify and enjoy the Lord their God. I mean nothing more by that. I don't necessarily mean a certain paycheck. I don't mean anything in particular. I just mean that they could genuinely be able to be free to enjoy the Lord our God. Amen? And so, um, it's very important that we recognize that we are part of that solution. Listen to what Tim Keller says in his book on prayer, but he's actually quoting Luther here. He says, Luther sees a social dimension to this prayer as well. For all to get daily bread, there must be a thriving economy, good employment, and a just society. Therefore, to pray give us, all the people of our land, daily bread, is to pray against wanton exploitation in business, trade, and labor, which crushes the poor and deprives them of their daily bread. So let me just kind of tell you what Luther just said and challenged us on. It is not enough for us to say, hey, that's not my problem. If there are practices in our community that are um, oppressing the poor at any level, we cannot afford to step back and say, it's not my problem. I don't, I'm not called to deal with it. I'm not doing it. It's not my problem. In the article, I Racist, I don't know if any of you have read that article. It's a brilliant article in some sense. Um, and it basically takes us to task, in the, and he's right, because I've been saying this for years. Not because I've been saying it, but I agree with him in, in principle. He says, one of the struggles for white culture, which we happen to be predominantly here, is that we tend to view things not as we, but as I. And so when somebody comes up and says, hey, this system is racist, our first response almost categorically out of the gate is, I didn't own slaves. I I didn't, I didn't vote for that. I didn't set that up. I'm, I'm out, bro. I don't even want to have this conversation. You can't do that. There's a we aspect to the gospel. The gospel, not anything else. The gospel itself says there's a we aspect that says you cannot back away. That you cannot back up and say it's not my problem. It's not something I need to care about. It's not something that matters. You can't do that. I understand what's happening there, but how much more could we see change if we said, brother, I hear you. Let's have a conversation about that. How can I be an ambassador of reconciliation in the midst of this? How can we begin to be part of a solution that is tenable and will be a blessing to all and see things change? See, when we step back and say, it's not anything to do with me, I'm quartered safe in my suburban reality, we're, we're actually working against the gospel. This is give us this day our daily bread. And so, what is our responsibility to ensure that our brothers and sisters, both local and worldwide, have what they need in order to be able to glorify the Lord our God? And, and listen, I've said this before, is it your singular responsibility to save everybody? No, don't be so arrogant. See, that's what's so funny about that is that's, there's an arrogant premise even in that that we say like, I can't save everybody as if God was going, I was kind of thinking maybe Cameron could save everybody, but now that he's confessed he can't, oh, well, I guess we'll just have to keep working through the Holy Spirit, maybe use some other people. 
No, it's about where you already have influence. Begin to look around where you work, live, play, and so on. Where do you have connections? Participate where you are because we are the body. Remember, it's we, it's us together that is able to do and accomplish these things. No singular person is going to take anything through the eye of a needle. And so, don't let that keep you from even considering or thinking it through. So, to that end, if there are some things that you're wrestling with, cultural or otherwise, that you would like to know some of the answers to or to wrestle with in terms of the gospel, please come talk to us. I know there's a host of issues. The SCOTUS ruling, the Confederate flag, all of the things that are kind of making Facebook intolerable. Um, As if it were tolerable before. But I digress. Um, And so if you are wrestling with how do I as a Christian think through those kinds of issues, I would love to talk to you. And maybe if there's enough people who are concerned about these things, we'll have some sort of a seminar before church and we can have a discussion. But again, remember, I'm going to already show you my hand. When you come talk to me about this, I'm going to push for how does this glorify the Lord our God? I'm going to push for how does this actually accomplish what the gospel calls us to? Not some rare verse from Obadiah. So, as we turn to the second part of the text, which is give us this day our daily bread. You've got to remember Jesus is speaking into a culture in which they would make their food only for that day. They didn't have like like a refrigerator and some other options to be able to store some things away. Most things were eaten, prepared, and eaten within the same day. So for them to say give us this day our daily bread had significant survival implications for them because they didn't have what they needed in order to survive day in and day out. This could get bad in a hurry. This is why drought and those kinds of things were so devastating in their culture. And so they lived a little bit more on the razor's edge than we do, but yet we should not allow the the, um, amount of things that we have to keep us from having the same mindset. Because there are scriptures that say this, Lord... This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Wait, that didn't say tomorrow. That didn't say yesterday. It said this. This is the day that you have made, or you have fashioned it in your sovereignty. So when we pray this, we are confessing that the Lord is sovereign and that he is the provider and that even though I participate, it is he who provides. And also confesses and recognizes that it is him who must be thanked for having given it to us. And so we too should have a mindset that recognizes each day is a gift and not to be forsaken and not to be overlooked and not to be looked too far ahead of or from. In addition, this also has within it, um, it harkens back to the original purpose for which we were created. Remember when Adam and Eve were created and he said, let us make them in our image. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to have dominion over the earth. Now, why, why were they supposed to do that? What were they filling the earth with? God's glory. And so in, it, in, in light of that, he said, and I will make sure that you have what you need. I will give you food from the plants of the fields. You're going to be taken care of. You're not even going to have to worry about anything. You just do the thing that I called you to. Be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion, and I'll make sure you have every daily need. So this carries us all the way back to the beginning, doesn't it? When we pray, give us this day 
our daily bread. It carries us all the way back to that. And remember, we've looked at this before, that didn't change because of the fall. That same calling was given to Noah, and it was given to Jacob, and it was given to Christ who passed on to us, the church, in essence, when he said, go and be fruitful and multiply, baptizing them in my name, teaching them all that I have taught you. I have dominion, and I will be with you always. I will provide what you need always until the end of the earth. That's what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount as well. We will have everything that we could possibly need in order to carry out the mission to which God has called us. We have no excuse whatsoever for not carrying out God's mission, for not caring about his glory and not caring about those who don't know. It pains me, I have to tell you, it pains me that I could read about Emma Mills coming to Christ and you didn't flinch. And some of you may even be wondering, well, I know about young life. I doubt they even preach the gospel there. She's probably not a Christian. Woe be unto you to think you're the arbiter of such things. We would be better off celebrating and praying for her that the Spirit would continue what he has started. Because what did the Lord say? If I start it, I will finish it. And so... We need to recognize that the highest thing that we are called to, the reason that we say give us this day our daily bread is so that we can be, be fueled for and nourished for the very mission of God. And when we don't do those things, we are forgetting who we are. We are it's as if we saw ourselves in the mirror and we turned and immediately forgot. Listen to what Proverbs 37 through 9 teaches us in light of this. This is two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Now, what if it just stopped right there? But see, that's the problem it doesn't. Or that's a good thing it doesn't. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Even the one who authored this proverb is saying, give me what I need in order to be able to glorify you. See, this is a consistent message all throughout the scripture. So when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, he's hearkening back all the way to Genesis 1. He's essentially quoting uh, Proverbs 37 through 9. So it's very important for us to keep it in biblical context. And it's very important for us to ask, what is the true connection between our daily needs and our ability to glorify the Lord our God. See, most of us in this room, I don't think the issue is lack. I think the issue may be too much. The issue may be that the too much that we have is actually keeping us from being able to glorify the Lord our God. The too much that we have is keeping us from being able to, in some sense, be able to um, sacrifice for the mission. To take time to get to know our neighbor. Almost fell, by the way. That was, that was not good. It's two-tiered. I, I, I'm good now. To take time to get to know our neighbor, because that takes time, right? And it's messy. And, and it takes time to get to know people at work and all those things. Maybe the too much is what is holding us down. Now, am I saying I'm going to leave an offering basket at the back so you guys can maybe get to even? No, it's not, about, it's not about us and the church. It's about you identifying in your life what is actually helping you and what is hurting you. Glorify the Lord your God. These are categories we just don't even think, right? And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
we are praying along with the author of this proverb, Lord, take away that which may be too much, which is keeping me from glorifying you, or give that which is lack so that I will be able to fully glorify you. So again, I would say to you, I would never, if I were you, never pray the Lord's Prayer again if you cannot recognize the truth of that. If you don't have the courage to actually hear his answer to you, who calls you to glorify him with all that you have, who will provide all that you need to glorify him. Amen? So as we close out the sermon this morning, let's hear from John Calvin in his commentary on Matthew. He says, we do not ask that our daily bread may be given to us before we ask that we may be reconciled to God, as if the perishing food of the belly were to be considered more valuable than the eternal salvation of the soul. But we do so that we may ascend, as it were by steps, from earth to heaven. Since God condescends to nourish our bodies, there can be no doubt whatever that he is far more careful of our spiritual lives. This kind and gentle manner of treating us raises our confidence higher. That being said, here's what we can learn from Matthew 6, 11. Number one, that God does genuinely care for our daily needs as a reflection of his care for the whole of our lives. Number two, that we are called to care for the daily physical needs of others as a reflection of our love of our neighbor's lives. In this, we are participating in the very thing that God has done for us. We are making sure to be vessels of that for others as well. And third, that the purpose of the provision of our daily physical needs is so that we may continue to serve as ambassadors of God's glory. It's critical, I think, for us this Lord's Day to pause and take a moment at some point and ask the Lord, Lord, what do I have that is keeping me from you? And how do I let it go? What do I not have that is not drawing me to you? And how do I find it? Give us this day our daily bread. In light of that, what a beautiful opportunity we have to take communion together this morning to be able to answer the question in even greater measure. As Calvin said, if he cares for your bodies, how much more does he care for your soul? So in the table, we have this beautiful reflection of God's love for us and how much he cares for our eternal lives and souls. Amen? That he would provide something as mundane as daily bread, and in this case, juice, or wine in other cases, that he would take common elements and say, this is going to do something for you that you cannot do for yourselves. This is a reflection of the reality that you could not save yourselves, and yet I have provided a reminder that we, until he comes again, would be reminded of his great love and grace for us in these meager, common, daily elements. Listen to what Philip Graham Ryken says in the book, When You Pray, Making the Lord's Prayer Your Own. He says, when we receive communion, the bread on the table is physical bread, but it also has a spiritual meaning. The bread is aftertaste of salvation. It reminds us of the body that was given for our sins on the cross. It is also a foretaste of the kingdom to come when we will sit down and Jesus at his eternal banquet and eat the bread of heaven. 
So as we have considered, give us this day our daily bread, we have an opportunity to see it in greater measure. I would remind you of what Christ said on the night of the, what would be his last Passover and what would be the first Lord's Supper for the people of God. He said of the bread, he said, this is my body. This is my body that will be ultimately broken for you. It will be broken for you ultimately so that you would be free, free of the tyranny of your own sins, past, present, and future. And my body will be broken under the weight of God's exhausted wrath for your sins. What that means is, here's the good news as we see in this table, the broken bread. What it means is that you will not, if you are in Christ, you will never again hear of your sin. As far as the east is from the west, it is done. And you will be able to come boldly before the throne of grace to receive all that you need in time of trouble. And one day you will stand before your Father, our Father. We will stand in his glorious light because of the broken body of Christ. And he also said, and he took the cup and he raised it and he said, is this cup, this is representative of my shed blood for you. Just think about it. If, if all he did was got us back to neutral, what good would it have been? How many of you think if, if you just got me to neutral, I could carry it from here? I could be perfect from here. I don't know that any of us are that arrogant. So Christ not only took care of our sins, past, present, and future, and the wrath of God, but he covered us with his blood, in his righteousness, so that we would become new creations. Amen? So that we could stand before the Lord our God, could, could bear his holiness because of the righteousness of Christ in which we are now clothed. Give us this bread always. Give us this wine always. Let, us, let it be that we would recognize if the Lord cares for our daily mundane needs, how much more does he care for our souls in the person and work of Christ? So as we come to this table this morning as a body, let me give you a couple of instructions. If you don't believe in Christ, if you don't profess Christ, this meal is not going to satisfy you. In fact, it can only hurt you. So let the elements pass by you. There's no, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. It's better for you not to take, trust me, than it would be for you to take unto judgment to yourself. Because you're rendering Christ meaningless. Don't do that. Secondly, if you are under church discipline of a local church, I don't care if you agree with it. I, I don't care of the circumstances necessarily, but you need to also let the elements pass because you're under discipline and that needs to be resolved before you can take even at this table. Third, if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, meaning, and we'll get to this more next week as we talk about forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you harbor true unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, you think it'd be just as well that they would burn in hell and you're done with that issue, you're, you're not seeking reconciliation, you don't need to take of this table either because this is the table of forgiveness that you have been given through no deserving of your own. You cannot withhold that from someone else. You cannot take a higher position than God takes. So you can't take of this table if you harbor unforgiveness. But let me be clear. I know that there are some of you who are wrestling in terms of this process of reconciliation and you're not there yet. You who are wrestling for reconciliation, doing what you can, you need this table to strengthen your faith to be able to continue. Amen? And so, 
this table, for those of you who maybe have not been to a Presbyterian church before, this is not just memorial. There's actually something that's going to take place when we take. We call it the real spiritual presence. The spirit is essentially going to, through these common elements, take us before the very throne of grace to, to strengthen us so that we can receive what we need in these times of trouble. We all have needs, yes? And so, the Lord is so gracious to grant us this visible word, this word made visible. The elders would come forward. So what we'll do if you haven't been with us before, um, the elements will come by. You'll take, you have three options. Um, there is a gluten-free wafer. It's the round disc if you have gluten issues of any kind. Um, the other bread uh, is, is got gluten in it, but it tastes really good. And then there'll be the bread itself for some of you who like just the act of tearing off a piece of bread for yourself. I hope in God's providence it comes your way so you can get it, but we'll make sure it goes through on either side. But again, witness, this is, this is Christ's body that was broken for us. And so as you um, get the element, hold it. And I want us to take it together as a family this time because it is us. It's give us this day our daily bread. And so if you would just hold to the end and I'll come back up, pray for the element, and then we'll take together and then the, the juice will come round and we'll take that together as well. And we'll do one final song, benediction. And for those of you who would like for us to pray with you, if you have any need at all, the elders, some elders will be in the back corner. I will be up front so you can go either direction um, and, and make sure that you get what you need. Make sure that you, you, you're prayed for if you're hurting or you have some need. Um, Bill, could you help us in serving? Um, Bill's legal to do this, by the way, for those of you who have some concerns. So, um, let, actually, let me pray for the element first before it goes round, and then we'll, we'll take together. Father, thank you for the broken body. Thank you for all that it represents. Thank you for the beauty of the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the exhausting of your wrath. Thank you that we never again have to come before you in fear of our sin, but we can come before you in holy awe, that we can tremble at your word because it is good and it is greater than us. Thank you for providing exactly what it is your people needed in order to be redeemed and reconciled and restored to you. In Christ's name, amen.